Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Let's have all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. New CBS Monday. NCIS is back. We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What are the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? New NCIS, Monday, 9, 8 central, on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. We have the whole crew with us for the first time of the game. Here is the uh, I'm Jordan Hill. we got Kip Adams and Benjamin Walt. And... Boys, uh, I think it's uh, it's about that time. It's about that time to tee it up between the hedges and get back to work for another busy season. And uh, you know, I know we've all been excited for the season to get here and to be back in Sanford Stadium and uh, to actually see a little football. That's going to be pretty exciting. Kip, uh, you are the uh, world traveler of uh, the podcast. How is your uh, vacation right before the start of the season? And uh, just how excited are you for the season to kick off? Yeah, it was uh, 6 p.m. where I was the last uh, couple of days, so it's it's good to get back to uh, Eastern uh, Standard Time and you know God's time here uh, back in Georgia. And yeah, Thursday night football. I mean, uh, I'm excited. Like it's basically just like I skipped, uh, you know, to the start of the season. I'm ready to roll, man. It's uh, some pretty big time games uh, tonight. I think. I think these are power of five teams taking the field uh, at 8 p.m. So, so it should be some entertaining games and, I mean, plenty to talk about. The The season's here, and uh, I can't believe we made it, guys. Ben, uh, speaking of traveling, I think you've been out and about. I, I kind of like the backdrop we're working with today. But uh, what have you been up to, and uh, just uh, how excited are you for us to be uh, back in season? Yeah, well, I think to explain how excited we are about the season, we're about five minutes late to start in this thing because Kip and I were having arguments about Graham Mertz. So the fact that we get to sit here and talk actual football games and what we get to see coming up tonight and this weekend, I mean, I think that I speak for just about everybody listening to this. Like, I, I couldn't be happier that football season's back. Pre-pod fights over Wisconsin transfer quarterbacks. <laughs> we are so back. Well, that's what happens when I make the terrible decision of being the person that covers Georgia and advocates for Graham Mertz in Florida. Like, I don't know what what box I thought I was cornering myself into when I did this or what I thought was going to happen. But, you know, I, I just, you know, I can only I can only go with how I feel about things. So. So how we're going to sort of organize today's podcast, we're going to start with a story that we published on Thursday. Each of us gave our game by game predictions for Georgia little uh you know paragraph or so from each of us about how we see georgia's 12 regular season games playing out we all gave score predictions and to wrap up the episode we're going to look specifically at the one that everybody's getting ready for that ut martin game on at uh, 6 p.m on saturday the uh, opener for georgia um, but we'll start just briefly with that game with ut martin uh, as we run down the 12 games um, i think we all pretty much see this being a blowout uh, my score prediction was 52 to three. Ben's got 55 to six. Kip has got 48 to zero. Uh, see this being pretty much, uh, you know, name your score, get out of there, get the FCS win. Uh, Kip, I'll start with you. Any thoughts on UT Martin? Anything that sticks out to you as we get ready for this game? Yeah, kind of as I noted in my write up, I just, the fact that, that I think they have a, a future NFL player on their team was interesting. And just the fact that it's a, a kid from Savannah, uh, uh, Dalen Dotson. Uh, I think that's just, you got to look at these individual matchups in a game like this and, and you know, giving uh, yourself a chance to actually scout some of, uh, you know, what Georgia brings to the table. Cause it's tough to really answer a lot of questions in, in, in a game like this for Georgia. But when you have some young offensive tackles, and Ernest Green and Amarius Mims out there, 
and a guy that again i think is probably a future draft pick uh i, I just think that's that's just a good test to see what they bring to the table and so that's kind of you know what i'm looking forward to seeing in this game because I mean, I'm also an NFL draft junkie, and uh, I just I love seeing uh, matchups like that. And I think that's kind of the big matchup. Uh, the rest of the game, uh, I don't really expect to be very competitive, but just at that position, you want to see how well they they do out there. Uh, you know, protecting Carson Beck and probably two other, you know, uh, the other quarterbacks as well, and, and Gunnar Stockton and Brock Vandergriff uh, throughout this game. Ben, any thoughts on this game, just generally, before we kind of break this down a little bit later? No, I mean, I think that we all sort of are in line in terms of how much of a uh, butt kicking we expect this one to be. Um, I think Georgia is going to come out early and send a message offensively in terms of what its identity, what they think its identity is going to be offensively this season. I think we've talked about it a lot. I think there's going to be a lot of 11 personnel out there, and I think that's going to give Georgia the chance to push the ball downfield quite a bit. Our buddy Junkyard Dog on YouTube says 49 to 10, and I think it's going to be that type of game. It's going to be one of those where hopefully we've gotten most of our work done by the fourth quarter and we're getting ready to go to interviews and see what's up there. Uh, Week two, September 9th versus Ball State. To be honest, I think it's going to be more of the same. Uh, Ball State won the MAC in 2020, not quite as strong as they've been uh, since then. They're kind of middle of the road in a group of five conference that isn't exactly the best of the best. And I'll start with you, Benny. Thoughts on Ball State, uh, what you expect to see uh, in week two from Georgia. And not to take any of the steam out of the next, you know, 10 weeks of predictions, but I think we were all pretty much in line across the board with most of these. Um, you know, this another – and this can go for some of the games in SEC play, I think, but just the talent disparity is too much. And I think that that unfortunately is going to be the case for several weeks this season because I just think that certain teams are not going to be able to stand up to what Georgia can bring with depth and talent across the board. Ball State obviously is one of those. Kip, any thoughts on uh, the Ball State matchup? Well, they have a transfer running back from Kent State that had one of the better offensive games against Georgia last season in Marquez Cooper. Uh, not any, you know, not many running backs had over 100 yards from scrimmage and scored a touchdown against Georgia last year, really, if any. So uh, that's obviously a guy that I think Kirby Smart's not going to have any problems is kind of pointing, uh, you know, to that film from last season and then telling his defense, you know, don't let this guy do it again. But overall, I think, I think Georgia's going to put a lot of pressure on their quarterback. Uh, you know, he's one probably pretty high up there as far as the active passers in college football because he's got over 10,000 passing yards uh, already having played four seasons but uh, I just think that you know he's not going to have a lot of time to throw and he's probably really not going to have a lot of chemistry with a a very young uh, receiving core but those tight ends are tall I have six seven six six so it's still an interesting matchup for you know if Javon Dumas Johnson or you know, uh, Xavier Sori is is tasked with uh, kind of covering those guys uh, or or maybe, you know, Javon Bullard's put on them. I mean, again, I'm a kind of an individual matchups guy. And I just think, again, you want to see what these guys can do because you're going to have some talented players in SEC play. And I think those are kind of the kind of matchups you want to get early on just to kind of get some experience from your guys and and see how well they can perform in, the, in those matchups against better players. Kip's got Georgia 56 to 13. Ben has 49 to 3, and I have 48 to 10. So another blowout win, beating Ball State in week two. Week three, the first SEC game, and quite frankly, the first game that's honestly worth talking about on this slate. And it's going to be South Carolina on September 16th in Sanford Stadium. I still have Georgia taking care of business. I have Georgia winning this one 37 to 14. They've done a very good job in the Shane Beamer era in Columbia of taking care of business, really pretty much naming the score when they played the Gamecocks. I expect much of the same. I think Spencer Radler is not going to have a very good day against this Georgia defense. He did not last year. He had two interceptions. I'm expecting similar results and another big Georgia win. Uh, Throw to you, Ben, thoughts on South Carolina coming to Sanford Stadium and what that matchup could look like. I mean, I think this will be when we find out what Georgia really is going to be this season. I don't think that anybody is going to take too much away from the first two weeks of the season. And I think that your first SEC game of the year, what do you look like? And I think in the past few seasons, Georgia has really made a a statement in that season opener in SEC play. And I think that that's going to be the case again. Unfortunately for South Carolina, they've sort of been the, you know, 
test dummy for a lot of SEC East programs, getting ready to see what Georgia is going to be. And I think that's going to be the case this year. I mean, I do think that South Carolina has a pretty good football team. I think that a lot of the teams in the SEC East are pretty close to one another in terms of what expectations could be this season. And I think, unfortunately for South Carolina, they're going to have to face the Georgia test early. And I guess that could be a positive to or it could be a negative, but I fully expect Georgia to be in control of that one. And I think that it'll be an opportunity for us to see some position battles, you know, like the cornerback position, like some of the freshmen that maybe are trying to get into the rotation. What does that look like by the South Carolina week? I think that's when things are really going to be firmed up. And I do expect Carson Beck to really make his first national statement, I guess you could say in that week too. Ben's got 44 to 10 for Georgia in that win over South Carolina. Kip, you have 35 to six. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? One? This is, I think South Carolina is one of those teams that if they were playing Georgia later in the schedule, this could be a much more competitive game because I think, I, I do think Spencer Rattler is going to perform better as, as the season goes on. I think he's, I mean, one of the better arm talents in the country, but I just think, you know, more and more reps is going to continue to get more and more comfortable. But I think early on, I think the offensive line is going to have real issues. I think this is going to be a big game for a guy like Nizier Stackhouse, who I think is going to really have – I mean, I'm not going to say double-digit tackles for loss, but I think he's going to have multiple in this game. It's a good matchup for him. And uh, I think as long as Georgia just doesn't turn the ball over in this situation, uh, I just think that they'll be able to kind of uh, – pull the reins back and make sure that uh, you know that their guys are healthy for the rest of the, the season. I think Nas has a chance to have a really good season, good senior season there on the defensive line. We go back to another group of five matchup on September 23rd, UAB coming to town. And before we kind of get into this, am I the only one that does not understand this Trent Dilfer hire? I am completely lost and I think it's going to be a disaster. Yeah, that was actually going to be my only takeaway really about this week is the fact that it's just wild to me that Trent Dilfer is UAB's coach. I mean, I'm happy to see him prove it, prove it wrong. I know he's gotten the chance to work, obviously, with some high school guys, some top recruits through Elite 11 and things like that. But um, I guess we'll see how it parlays into being an actual college head coach. Yeah, I've got uh, Georgia 41 nothing. I don't see UAB scoring in this one. Ben's got 48 to 3. Kip's got 49 to 3. Uh, Kip, any additional thoughts on playing the Blazers? I edited my uh, write-up for this game to be a lot nicer and, I guess, PC because I, I think I initially had the, the words train wreck written in there and then some other things. I, I don't understand this at all, and I think uh, the coaching staff, it, it appears on paper. I mean, we can end up, you know uh, – looking back and saying we're completely wrong here, but I think they're in way over their head here. And I think they're trying to completely change what UAB is known for and what they performed well at. This is one of the uh, more consistent programs uh, over the, you know, over the last five or six years, even I mean, coming out of, uh, you know, not non-existence to still be a solid program that knew how to run the ball and play pretty tough defense. And I think, again, when you, when you make a, a, huge change like that offensively to try to uh, focus on the quarterback play. Uh, I just think it, it's, it's a tough recipe, especially if you do not have, you know, the talent in the matchup. And so I, I do think that uh, they're going to be obviously in this game overmatched, but I, I just think it's going to be a long season there. And I think they will be rethinking things, uh, you know, in the next two years. Yeah, I, I don't see it going well in Birmingham, uh, unfortunately, because I'm UAB's always one of those teams I root for. Uh, September 30th, the first road game for Georgia at Auburn. And Ben, I want to start with you because I went through the numbers and look, math is not my strong suit. But from what I saw, I believe that Kip and I had Georgia's closest game being Tennessee. If I did my math correctly, you actually have it being this Auburn game on September 30th. What sort of stands out to you in that aspect, seeing that Auburn could give Georgia a little bit of trouble? Well, I think one, Hugh Freeze has a tendency to just hit on a couple of big shots. That, and, you know, I think that he comes out well against big opponents. But also what I go back to is just that first road SEC game of the year. I mean, I think I, I wrote this as well. I think Georgia would benefit a lot from avoiding the night atmosphere there. I mean, we saw it last year. You go to Missouri at night, first road SEC game of the year. It's something that you can tend to overlook. And then it gets really difficult. I mean, you look at Tennessee. Tennessee didn't play a road night game in the SEC until the South Carolina game at the end of last year. And they 
got boat raced. And so you look at even the best teams in the league every year when they go play that first road game of the season in the SEC, hopefully you avoid the night game. But if you can't avoid the night game, you know, I think that that makes a tough atmosphere. And I think that's what will make it close. I think that Georgia's the type of team and the type of program where they overcome those types of things much better than everybody else does. And it being a rivalry game makes it not as much of a potential slip up like it was against Missouri last year, where you may have a little bit of an overlook. So that's why I have the score close, but just from a, you know, roster to roster standpoint and program to program standpoint, I still think Georgia wins that game comfortably. I just think that the the score, I mean, I think what, what did I have it be like a 16 point win. So my closest Georgia win of the year is just 16 point win. I think that would be a, a pretty stellar year in itself. Yeah, I was going to point out that I say that, and you still have Georgia winning 30 to 14. I have 28 to 10. I think the biggest thing that I said was I see this Auburn team being scrappier than some people expect for them to win some games. I think they're going to go to a bowl game this year, but they don't have the talent yet to, to hang with the Georgia, and I don't think in Alabama yet either. Um, but I have 28 to 10. Kip has 38 17. Uh, Kip, any additional thoughts on Auburn and uh, the first road test for this Georgia team and to me specifically, Carson Beck? Yeah, I mean, you took you, you took the statement right out of my mouth there. I think that we're going to find out a little bit more about Carson Beck uh, in a game like this. Uh, my thing with Hugh Freeze from what I've uh, watched over the years is that his teams typically have kind of a slow start. Um, and that I think the, the first year at each of his last couple of stops, it's, it's been that way you know, kind of uh, middle of the road. And I, I, I don't I don't know enough about what Thorne brings to the table for them to be the offensive, uh, you know, juggernaut that his teams have kind of been known for in the past. But I do think, like, the, the guys he's going to be throwing to are not getting the respect they should. I think this is a group that at the end of the year, like, we'll be talking about uh, their, their wide receivers or pass catchers uh, as being one of the more talented units uh, in the conference. And I think they're, they're going to be hell to play in November. But uh, I think right now, um, right, uh, it's, it's going to be key for Carson Beck not to, uh, not to test that cornerback duo that they have. You know, make smart decisions with the football. Lean on uh, not just your running backs, but, I mean, Lean on your, uh, you know, all-world tight end a lot, and hopefully your running backs are healthy going to this game because I think they're gonna, again, they're gonna need them to kind of steady the ship and make sure that in a raucous environment that you know uh, he's able to get up to the line of scrimmage, uh, get the play calls correctly, and, and play clean football so that they don't kind of get behind the sticks a little bit in, in a big SEC game. Georgia returns home on October seventh for a game against Kentucky. Looking at our scores, I think we're all sort of expecting Georgia to take care of business in this game. I have Georgia 38-17. to Ben's got 34-10, to and Kip has 31-0. I'll throw it back to you, Kip. You've got the shutout. Uh, what do you make of a matchup with Kentucky? A Kentucky team that does look very different than it did a year ago, but gave Georgia some trouble in Lexington. A couple of years ago, um, I was really high in Kentucky's offensive line. I thought it may have been the best in, in the conference. Uh, I think the line of scrimmage right now is uh, is really, really poor for the Wildcats right now, and I think it's going to be kind of a, a long season for them, a team that's kind of been, again, uh, overachieving uh, under under Stoops the last couple of years, uh, been able to win some some big football games. But I, I think Carson Beck's going to have a field day in this, and uh, I've got him – I went with the early prediction that he gets player of the week and throws for four touchdowns. I just think that this is going to be a game where he's able to kind of sit back, uh, pick them apart, and at the same time, I don't think Kentucky's going to be able to do anything on the ground. It'll be pretty pretty one-dimensional in this game. Ben, any thoughts on the Wildcats and what that matchup will look like? This is a game that I think typically Georgia has less possessions because of the way Mark Stoops likes to play, and I think that that's resulted in some closer scores in recent years because of that. I think that Georgia has more explosive guys on the outside, on the perimeter, more depth there this year. So I think that they're not going to have as much of a tr trouble with the big play. To Kip's point, I don't think Kentucky's got the line of scrimmage like they have had in recent seasons. And so because of that, I think there's a bigger scoreboard disparity than maybe there has been in, in recent years. As I mentioned in my write-up, I, I think really highly of Kentucky. I think Devin Leary can succeed there, but – 
I just don't see them being able being able to move the ball enough against Georgia to make this a close game and to make it one you know worth really really watching. The fact it's at home, I think it only helps Georgia when it comes to putting them away. Um, October fourteenth at Vanderbilt, and it looks like I wrote in there, "Stop, stop, he's already dead." Uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly what that means, but uh, the three of us between us, I was the only one who said Vanderbilt scores at all. You two had shutouts in this game. Uh, uh, Ben had 52 to nothing for Georgia. Kip had 49 to nothing. I was feeling generous and went 51 to seven. Uh, Vanderbilt didn't exactly inspire confidence with their week zero game against Hawaii, a 35 to 28 win. Uh, I think it's going to be ugly. And uh, I made sure to say, hey, bring your hard hats because that is an open construction zone in Nashville. Uh, Kip, any thoughts on the doors? Shout out to uh, Cherokee High School alum, fellow alum, A.J. Swan, uh, as he is, uh, I think, one of the better, uh, uh, more consistent quarterbacks in the conference. Uh, I think he's smart with the football. He's got, you know, he's got all of his pass catchers back. But, um, I mean, I think that's about all I can really say positively about Vanderbilt right now. Uh, I don't don't think they're really going to have, again, a big impact defensively in this game. Uh, it's going to be a long day, uh, a, lot, a lot of chasing the football around. And I, I just think this is this is one of those days where, uh, you know, Georgia just kind of pads the stat sheet as much as they want to. And again, I got them. This is back to back shutouts uh, for the Georgia defense. So uh, a good a good stretch, a good time to kind of get in the zone because uh, you got a big football game coming up two weeks after that. Ben, thoughts on Randy? You know, I hope Georgia fans have fun in Nashville. It's pretty, that, much, that's a, pretty much the extent of my takeaways from that one, if we're being honest. That is a beautiful way to keep it short and succinct. So Georgia has a bye week after the Vanderbilt game, and then October 28th, it's down in Jacksonville against Florida. Uh, I'll start it off. I said 41-17. My prediction is we're going to have like a really squirrely first quarter, and Georgia's going to be down like, 10 nothing or something like that and you know you look at x and people will be freaking out and look at our board it's you know it's pandemonium and then brock bowers and lad will have second quarter touchdowns and georgia's going to get it rolling i got georgia 41 to 17 ben has 31 to 13 and kip has 38 14 uh, ben since you were riding really hard for florida before we started recording i'll throw it to you and just uh, want to hear your thoughts on this matchup yeah i was defending florida so much that i predicted them to lose by 18 points to their biggest rival um but they uh my here's my thoughts on florida i do think that they're going to run the ball better than everybody else in the sec this season i think that they have the running backs to do it and i think that billy napier has the offensive approach to do it I think that too much – I think the pendulum swings on Graham Mertz throughout his recruitment and his first game at Wisconsin all the way to where it is now. have They've swung back and forth too far. I think that Graham Mertz is somewhere in the middle of that, and I think that Billy Napier strategically chose Graham Mertz to go and be a guy that will work and run his offense and not – you know, hopefully not make too many t- dumb turnovers. I think Florida is going to start out the season strong, and I think that they are going to be a good team to start out the year. Like I said, I picked them to finish second in the East, which might tip a little bit in terms of how I feel about Tennessee as well. But all of that to say, none of it's really going to matter when they're playing Georgia, and that's the case for all, a lot of these teams. There, these could be eight, nine, ten-win teams, and I really don't think a whole lot of that matters once they face off against Georgia because the reason they're an eight, nine, 10 win team and not an 11 or 12 win team is because they have to play Georgia. And so I think that that's how I feel about Florida. I think that's sort of how I feel about Tennessee and Missouri and South Carolina. Like I think that they all sort of fit into a similar bucket. Um, And, you know, I guess, well, I could be 24 hours from now, people could be laughing at me and saying Florida just lost by 20 points on the road against Utah. That very well might be the case. That's just not how I see it going. That said, they're going to get boat raced by Georgia, even though, uh, you know, I do the 18 points is one of the closer matchups that I predicted, I think. Mike Gay on Facebook says, bet Gators lose against Utes. So it's it's already going on then. You can can message me, Mike Gay. We'll, We'll go after that one. Kip, uh, any additional thoughts? Hey, I did want to say I really, really like Trevor Etienne, but uh, Kip, do you have any thoughts on Florida? I'd like to know what the transfer board looked like for Florida and how many quarterbacks they actually went through and got told no before Graham Mertz 
uh, I guess, <laughs> took the job. Uh, I, I just, I wouldn't be surprised if he completes more passes to Utah uh, than his own players. He just, he doesn't make good decisions of the football. Uh, he may, I mean, the throws he makes are, are low percentage throws. I mean, and as a Falcons fan who watched the same thing with Marcus Mariota last season, I got to tell you, Graham Mertz is not Marcus Mariota athletically. Again, as I said in my write-up, he's not going to confuse anyone for Anthony Richardson. And so he's not – I mean, the offensive line is not going to do him any favors either. I think he's just, they just kind of threw together a, a starting five. And uh, I honestly feel bad for their running backs because they might have the best trio, the most talented trio in the SEC – and uh, I think they're just going to they're going to see, uh, you know, defenders at or behind the line of scrimmage. They're going to have to make a lot of guys miss. And so I just think that if you have an offense, it's going to put your defense in precarious situations. Uh, I know that uh, I mean, Mike Bobo will tell you, he, you know, uh, he's seen he's seen the opposite side. He's you know, he's been in defenses that have put him in bad situations. I just think that's the kind of offense Florida has. And I think uh, they're going to waste multiple NFL draft picks on defense uh, because of its offense. But then again, we just saw, you know, Anthony Richardson be a top five pick after I couldn't even tell you, you know, what good games he had last season. So it's it's been a very interesting start to the Billy Napier era. And I think it's going to continue this season. Uh, I just uh it's just a it's a weird roster construction and uh a, you know I, I can't really uh I still can't understand why Graham Mertz is their starting quarterback. It it should never happen, but we you know we've seen weird things in Jacksonville as you said. I mean uh you know Phaeton Bauta uh you know my heart goes out to, uh, you know, him and uh, Joe Cherzynski out there starting for Georgia in, in games. But uh, that shouldn't happen now. I mean, it, should, it shouldn't happen at this point. But that's that's the level of quarterback play that, that I see right now at Florida. And it's just it's it's crazy to see where that program is right now. I mean, there are years like 2020 when Georgia was trotting out Stetson Bennett the fourth to start at quarterback against Florida. I mean, those, those are crazy times, huh? <laughs> yeah, nah, nah. yeah go ahead Kip. Stetson Bennett could probably uh win eight games on this Florida offense right now but I don't know if they're going to be bowl eligible at the end of the year with Graham Mertz out there I I just don't see it so I'm willing to take that hard stance and be wrong about it but I just uh if Graham Mertz was was Georgia's starting quarterback this year uh there I mean <laughs> there would be riots in Athens uh by the end of September Ben, I feel like I'm hosting a political debate. Do you need 30 seconds for rebuttal? You know, I I just – I don't want to be the guy that's defending Florida because it's a ridiculous thing to be doing right now. I just think that – like, I think Florida might have been picked, like, sixth in the East. Am I right about that? I mean, I just thought it was egregious first. how low they were. I mean, we're talking about a team that's top 15 in the talent composite. I mean, this is a talented football team compared to most football teams that they're playing. Now, unfortunately for them, you know, that is that does put them behind LSU. It puts them behind Georgia, other teams that are on their schedule. So you can tally up some losses. It's just I think people think that they're far and away going to be worse than South Carolina or Kentucky or whatever that might be. And that could be the case. And I think we'll find out. I think we'll find out to an extent tonight. Run the damn ball, Sale. Yeah. Going to the next game, thankfully, November 4th, uh, back in Sanford Stadium against Missouri. And I'll start with you, Kip. I, and I want to get really both of y'all's opinions. I have a hard time making up my mind of what this Missouri team is going to be. Like, I, I kind of like Eli Drinkwitz. I've done really well in recruiting. Um, but looking at these scores, I've got Georgia 31 to 6, Ben has 45 to 9, Kip has 28 to 10. I mean, Kip, what do you make of Missouri? And is this a, a season where Eli's on the hot seat, or do we think he's okay going into 2024? I think if this team doesn't have, I guess, what their fans consider to be a successful season, he should be, because I think this is one of the sneaky good teams in the conference, just because uh, I, even though they, you know, they lost Dominic Lovett to Georgia, they've got a talented trio of wide receivers um and i think they have one of the top uh i maybe maybe top three but definitely top five defenses in the conference I, I love their linebacker group uh their defensive linemen um kind of their their interior isn't that far off as far as their level of play from what 
Georgia should probably field this year. And they have a lot of experience in the secondary. So I just think that obviously last year they played Georgia as well as anyone other than the Buckeyes. And it's really all going to depend on Brady Cook and Sam Horn. And I, I'm not really sure, uh, you know, where that battle is as far at the quarterback position. But you know, like a lot of programs, it's going to make or break them this season. But I think if they can just get, you know, average quarterback play, uh, you know, I mean, this team could win seven or, you know, win eight games, go eight, you know, eight and four, and you shouldn't overlook them. Obviously, you have a big slate of games for Georgia in November. You got some big matchups, but Kirby's got to remind them that last year, how well this team played them, even though, I mean, regardless of it in Athens or on the road, uh, you're going to have to be focused uh, on this Missouri team because I, just, I, I I think they're sneaky good. I'm not sure if the record will back that up, and, but I, I just think this is a team that you really have to uh, game plan for. Ben, your thoughts on Missouri? I mean, I, as much as it pains me to say, I agree with just about everything Kip said right there, but I what I think my score the reason why I have it that way is because I think it actually in a weird way hurts Missouri that they played Georgia as close as they did last season because I know Kirby Smart will never say this no most of his players will never acknowledge anything like this but the reality is they are fully aware that they almost you know got beat last season at Missouri and that will be a team that they will have that week of there's no overlook that's going to be happening that week that's going to be hey we got to prove to Missouri that Georgia is Georgia and that that shouldn't type of slip up shouldn't happen, even though they ended up pulling out the win. So I actually think because of how last season unfolded, Missouri is going to catch a very focused Georgia that week. And, you know, as someone who said on the last podcast that I think Dominic Lovett's going to be flirting with the 1000 yard mark this season. I think that's going to be one of those games where he's going to be coming in wired Georgia's players around him. Carson Beck's going to be wanting to get him the ball. Uh, I think he'll have a big game that week as well. Shout out Chris Abrams drain in that secondary. I remember watching him in high school. He pretty much uh, won a playoff game against Opelika by himself uh, down there at Spanish Fort. So always fun to see those guys go out and have success. November 11th versus Old Miss. I- I've kind of circled this as a potential trap game. And I think it'd be even more so if it was on the road, if it was in Oxford. Uh, but you have the game against Tennessee the week after that. Um, you know, I still have Georgia winning this one fairly comfortably. I've got Georgia 31-17, a two-touchdown game. Uh, ben has 49-24, a very decisive victory for Georgia. Kip has 28-10. to uh, Ben, since your score is a little bit wider than ours, uh, what, what did you make of this matchup, Ole Miss coming to town, and uh, looks like you expect Georgia to take care of business? I do. I think my big takeaway from it is it's the game that I expect Georgia to give up the most points this season. And I think it's some of what you said there. It is trap situation looking ahead to Tennessee. And a lot of that has to do with how, you know, Tennessee's season has unfolded at that point, which we'll talk about here in a second. But I think that Lane Kiffin, you know, much like Hugh Freeze, he sort of has that, um, I don't want to say villain, but like he almost wants to poke the bear a little bit. And because of that, I think that he'll come ready with some offensive creativity against George. Obviously he's got a relationship with Kirby smart. And I think that he'll want to send a little bit of a message there as well, as we've seen in a lot of Alabama miss divisional games in the past, when it comes down to it, Alabama's offense just sort of wrecks Ole Miss's defense when they when things get tight. So I could see this one being tight for a little while, but I don't think Georgia will have any problem scoring points against this Ole Miss team. This will be the first time that Lane Kiffin and Ole, uh, Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss has faced Georgia, so that will be fascinating. Uh, Kip, what do you make of this matchup? Well, uh, props to Lane Kiffin. I he's third most wins in the SEC over the last three three years. And uh, I think that, you know, he's kind of settled in. And other than, you know, flirting with Auburn and, you know, uh, le- leaving them kind of holding the, the bag a little bit there at late late last year, I mean, he's been, you know, pretty consistent. And I just – this is one of those situations, I guess, maybe similar to Florida where I'm just not as high on uh, Jackson Dart. Uh, as maybe some other people are. And I, I think that, you know, he, he hasn't won the job as of, I think, this podcast. He hasn't been named the starting quarterback. Probably will be. 
Um, I'm not super high on Spencer Sanders being able to get it done the SEC either. I just think this is going to be a situation where he's shuffling through quarterbacks. I think Walker Howard could be starting by the time they uh, they play Georgia. And kind of like several other teams, I think the key for them is uh, hand that ball off to Quinchon Judkins. I think he's probably the most talented running back in the conference. Um, I, I think he's just incredible, and but I don't think that plays well into a game plan against Georgia. <laughs> this, uh, this is a situation where uh, teams they can't run the ball against Georgia because that's what Kirby Sport puts a focus on stopping that run and making teams one dimensional. And so, I think you know, this is where kind of small Monday kind of hits the zone, you know, is back healthy. And I just I have them having you know a huge game against this team and and really, uh, that that Ole Miss defense is probably going to be really really tired in the third and fourth quarter because they're not going to be able to uh, their offense isn't going to be able to stay on the field. So I, I think this is a big game for Georgia's running backs. You I know, mean, I can see again I have them have multiple 100 yard rushers, and I think I, this is back to back 28 tens that I have, and I think uh, again the, those aren't numbers that are going to blow anyone away, but I think uh, Kirby Smart will take that and especially uh, with the, that not being true blowouts, uh, it still gives him plenty of things to motivate his team for what you know should be a huge game the next week. Let's go to the game that I think everybody is most anticipating on Georgia's 2023 schedule, and it's at Tennessee. Going through these scores real quick, I have Georgia winning a shootout 45-35. Ben has 34-17, and Kip has 37-28. So fairly competitive. I think Ben... Uh, has the biggest spread there, but uh, I'll start with you, Ben. What do you make of the Vols? I think you're a little bit um, more uh, bullish, uh, let's say, I guess actually bearish on Tennessee compared to us and uh, how you see things playing out for them this year. Well, I guess it's not that I'm like totally bearish on them, but it's that I am not convinced that Tennessee is going to be the same caliber of Tennessee that we just saw. And when you look at their schedule this year, I realize how, you know, Kip and everybody else feels about Florida, but they go on the road to Florida week three, and then they have back-to-back weeks in the middle of the season against Texas A&M and Alabama. And I realize what Texas A&M was last season, but in terms of just pure talent, Tennessee is going to be outmatched back-to-back weeks against Texas A&M and Alabama. And so I think what a lot of, like how I feel about Tennessee is, that's week 11. And so there's two versions of what this game could be. This could be 10 and 0 versus 10 and 0, you know, number one, number two, big time type of matchup for the SEC East. That's very possible. And I'm not, you know, ruling it out. But there's also a world where this is a seven and three Tennessee team. They also have to go on the road to Kentucky, on the road to Missouri before they play Georgia. And so if there's a few losses on this schedule by the time they're playing Georgia, one, the hype around the game is not going to be nearly what it is right now. I think that right now it's an eight point spread. I don't think that it would be an eight point spread come that time if that was the case. And then three, I think that Tennessee would have put enough bad film out there, say this is how you beat this Tennessee team that Georgia really wouldn't have a lot of trouble handling that Tennessee team. Now there is the on the road against a good sec team factor that will play into this, but that's why I lean a little bit more toward the seven and three, eight and two versus 10 and O matchup than the 10 and O versus 10 and O matchup. And that's why I just think that this won't have quite the juice that it has right now, in my opinion. That's a fair read on the situation. Kip, I thought it was interesting in your write-up. You're kind of wondering if Joe Milton is going to be the quarterback for Tennessee by this point. Uh, Yeah, recurring trend in my write-ups. Talking a lot about leaning on running backs, and I'm just – I guess I'm the quarterback hater this year. But if Joe Milton can be Spencer Strider, then maybe he can be the guy. And by mean what I mean by that is – you can't just throw 98 mile per hour fastballs every single every single uh, you know pass attempt. You got you get, you're gonna have to use that changeup a little bit. Take some off of that and, and allow your your guys to actually catch the ball and allow it to actually go where you want it to. So that that's kind of where I'm at with him. And yeah, if to uh, to Ben's point, if if South Carolina and Tennessee were were switched on the schedule, I think both these games could be like just a lot more difficult for Georgia. Like if they didn't have the film on Tennessee and they were playing them week three, it could be pretty tough. And again, like I said, if South Carolina, I think South Carolina is going to be really good toward the end of the year. So uh, this is a situation where I'm interested. Does Josh Heupel kind of change the offense up a little bit 
use you know uses running backs who are pretty explosive uh, out of the backfield and you know slow things down a little bit maybe give your different defense a chance to actually you know catch their breath a little bit because i mean that's kind of what we saw last season against georgia is that i mean they just they ran out of gas and i i just think that's the tempo is is still what ultimately hurts uh tennessee as they get later in the season and, and and their their defense is just completely worn out. Yeah, I see it being a shootout, but uh, not convinced Tennessee's defense is going to get enough stops on this Georgia offense. And I think Georgia is going to go back home with a big win, getting ready to close out the regular season on November 25th at Georgia Tech. Um, this is pretty pretty standard from all three of us across the board. I have 45-14. Ben has 48-3. Kip has 40-20. to uh, Kip, what do you make of the rebuild Tech has on its hands with Brent Key and uh, their efforts to try to go bowling this year? I, I, I like, uh, again, Buster Faulkner, big hire for them. I, I, I think that they, they have the right guys in place to be a lot more competitive. It's been a tough stretch for them. Um, but I, I just think, again, that offense was so bad <laughs> the last couple of years that uh, there's really only one direction to go in. So improved play at quarterback should be huge for them. Um, I just don't think that they have the, the you know the guys out there to kind of test uh, Georgia's defense just because of the speed. This, this Georgia defense is going to be uh, one of the fastest uh, I've ever seen uh, covering Georgia. So I, I just think again uh, for them to you know it's going to be huge for them whether they come into this game with five or six wins. Um, whether they're fighting for bowl eligibility in year one, it could lead to them, you know, at least giving a little bit more fight against this Georgia team. Um, and I think it's going to be one of the more competitive, uh, you know, games in this rivalry the last four or five, six years. But I, I think this is going to be a game where Georgia is able to, again, throw for over 400 yards and, and, and kind of score at will, um, even though I think uh, Brent Key should have a, you know, Maybe not a solid uh, first year, but I think in year two, I think that's going to be a team to really look out for. Ben, your thoughts on clean, old-fashioned hate? I think that the question around this game will be how many – what does Carson Beck have to do to solidify himself as a Heisman candidate or as the Heisman winner or whatever that might be? I think that this – I think we'll be at the point of the season where everybody knows. I don't know what the spread will be, maybe 24 – 27, something like that wouldn't surprise me. I think Georgia will, will cover that. And I think it really will be a, a statistical fest. And I know Kirby Smart probably likes to stay away from those if he can. But, you know, the way that we've all talked about these first 11 games and this one, Carson Beck's probably going to be in the Heisman conversation when it's all said and done. And so what does he put up against Georgia Tech to get it done? Chris Morris on YouTube says, I don't see Tech scoring 20 on us, Kip. Uh, any thoughts on, on you know Buster Faulkner's crew being that explosive? Yeah, I'm, I'll be interested to see, you know, which uh, Georgia defense is on the field whenever it's, you know, maybe it's 37 to, to 10 late in the third quarter. I mean, are you putting your twos back in the field at that point? Uh, we've seen teams that play until the final whistle just to try to, you know, score in Georgia. I think this is going to be one of those games where Brent Key tries to to do that, and he's got his guys out there, uh, his starters out there the entire game against, you know, a lot of younger Georgia players. Uh, they're thinking about Atlanta. You know, uh, they're thinking ahead to uh, more important football at that point. And at the same time, I think that that's – that's instructional for Kirby smart. He gets the, you know, a lot of those freshmen out there, a lot of the younger players out there, and maybe they give up a play or two. And then also Kirby gets to use that in the film room again to, to motivate his team and, and keep them focused. So I don't know, man, I, I think that, uh, th- that's a, a teaching point for Georgia. And I think Kirby smart knows what he's doing in situations like that. So, uh, again, I, I think this is going to be one of the more competitive games in this rivalry that, that they've had. I think one team's going to be playing for a lot more uh, than, than the other team at this point in the season. We all have Georgia going 12-0 and in the regular season. I want to shout out Visor Dog in the junkyard. He uh, did uh, took a look at the numbers, uh, crunched the numbers. Uh, according to our predictions, offensive points per game, Ben has Georgia scoring 43.3 in the regular season. 
I have 40.5. Kip has 39.8. And then on the defensive side, Ben has them only allowing 9.1 points per game. Kip has them at 10.1. And uh, I am apparently the biggest hater of this defense, saying George is going to give up a whopping 12.5 points per game. I uh, I will say I second-guessed my picks a little bit when I saw the defensive numbers. Nine feels maybe a little bit low in terms of points per game allowed. But I, I do feel I am, you know, I'm bullish using your words, Jordan, I'm, I'm bullish on the offense. So I feel good about the points per game number there. Yeah. And, and just for reference, uh, last year it was a uh, 38.25 points per game in the regular season for Georgia and 11.25 points allowed per game for Georgia. Uh, you also have to kind of take into account the, you know, the new clock rules. So four to five less plays per game. True. I mean, per you know, it might not have a huge impact in one game, but just you take it over the course of the season, uh, I, I think that the numbers could be slightly down this year. Take a quick break and come back and talk a little bit more in-depth about this game one against UT Martin. Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. Well, looking specifically at Game 1, UT Martin, 6 p.m. kickoff on ESPN+, Plus, SEC Network+. Plus. Uh, just a little bit about this UT Martin team. They went 7-4 and four last season. Uh, they played Boise State. They played Tennessee. They also played Kennesaw State. That was their other loss uh, among those teams. Uh, also lost to number 5 Missouri State. That was the four teams that beat Skyhawks last season. Offensive pro, uh, points per game, 34.7. Defensive points per game, 30.1. Uh, struggled on defense, struggled getting those stops. Uh, UT Martin has beaten an FBS opponent before, beat Memphis back in 2012. Uh, undefeated in Ohio, Ohio Valley Conference play last year. A couple players to watch, Dalen Dodson, who Kip mentioned earlier, actually from Savannah, really good defensive end. Going to be fascinating to see if he's able to do it, if he is going to be able to do anything against this Georgia offensive line. And then the other guy I would mention is Kincaid Dent, who is going to be UT Martin's starting quarterback. Had been at Ole Miss the last few years, played very sparingly, uh, but he will get his chance with the Skyhawks. Uh, looking at this team, I'll start with you, Ben. Uh, anything pop out to you about this matchup? We understand um, the talent disparity, um, but, uh, you know, they, they do have some playmakers on uh, both sides of the ball. Yeah, I mean, they were obviously a successful football team in their conference last year. And I think because of that, it allows you to attract some guys. And that's the beauty of the transfer portal when we talk about that is you're able to build your roster in a slightly different way. And you can go out and, you know, we see a lot of guys going from the lower level to the higher level where there's a lot of guys that are wanting to do the same thing to be able to actually get some game film out there before their playing days are done. And so, um, you know, I think that I think Kirby Smart says it every week, right? Like, got a lot of respect for UT Martin. I think that's the approach that Georgia will take in this one. I just think, you know, when it's all said and done, there's only so much that you can do from an X's and O's standpoint when you've got the rosters that there are there. And I don't want to simplify this game or this matchup as much as that, but that that really is what it comes down to. Kip, any thoughts on uh, what we'll see from UT Martin on Saturday? Um, well, uh the one thing that stood out to me was the fact that this team forced 28 turnovers in 11 games last season, which is more than any FBS or FCS program. I, I went and looked, and so obviously they're aggressive. And so, I mean, they're coming in there with, I mean, really nothing to lose. 
And I think that's a situation where let's see what Carson Beck does again, you know, in his first start. And and also the other quarterbacks. So we imagine that, you know, a lot of, you know, they're going to probably or they play all three and try to get these guys reps as much as possible. So it's interesting to see who can take care of the football. Um, and I mean, who's, who's going to be the starting kicker? You know, things are different whenever, uh, you got 90, 93, 96,000 people watching, you know, is it going to be Jared Zirkle? Is it going to be Peyton Woodring? Uh, you know, that's kind of a, you know, QB one got named a lot earlier than people expected, but, uh, you know, PK one has, has not been named. And then that could be, you know, that's, that's kind of what our eyes are out there. Who gets that first shot? Um, I think that's, that's a battle that could go throughout the season. And I think uh, week one's a, a great time to, to, to see what they have, at, you know, at this kicker position, because Georgia's had some really, really good kickers over, over the last, you know, five or six years. That was a great nope. stat poll, by the way, Kip. 28 turnovers forced, giving up 30 points per game defensively. That almost seems impossible to do, but that's, I mean, to your point, an aggressive defense, it looks like. Yeah, they. I think they were uh, barely plus um, as far as the turnover margin, if I remember. So they, they just they just give it right back. So <laughs> A very charitable group uh, up there in Martin, Tennessee. Uh, what do you guys want to see from this game? And I'll throw out a few things before I throw it to you, Kip. I mean, I think the biggest thing is availability. You know, I think our questions are at date with uh, Dejon Edwards and Kendall Milton at running back. You know, we really don't know, one, if they are capable of going, and two, if Georgia decides to play them or if they decide to just, uh, you know, play it safe and play some of the other guys behind them. I'm expecting healthy doses of Andrew Paul and Cash Jones either way. Uh, to kind of help those guys as they come back from injury. And then probably the other position really to watch, uh, I'll say two positions, cornerback, but Kamari Lassiter, he's been banged up, but he has been back at practice. And also inside linebacker with Smile Munden, who's had that foot injury. But as Ben had reported, I guess that was last week, that he was back at practice. And it seems like things are trending in the right direction with Smile. Uh, those are really my biggest things. And, and I would say uh, bigger picture, just seeing how the run game plays whether or not Dejon Edwards and Kendall Milton are out there, because uh, that's really a big area uh, that I have questions about with this team is just how able, how uh, capable they are of running the football and what they're able to do with it. Um, so definitely some questions that I think Georgia needs to answer on Saturday. Uh, Kip, what do you want to see from the team? Uh, um, we, we've kind of hyped up the position room, the wide receiver room all, all off season. This is the deepest, most talented group of pass catchers that Georgia's ever had. Uh, even with some guys banged up like Glad McConkey, you know, I guess Jackson Meeks as well. Um, Cole Spear, Dylan Morissette. Uh, I want to see the, these guys kind of live up to it. I mean, this is at a, at a point at where they should be able to, to, you know, throw the ball around at will and, and w- win some one-on-one matchups. Um, you know, what does Ra Ra Thomas, what does Dominic Lovett bring to the field, but also the, some of the younger guys, you know, uh, Anthony Evans, Zita Haynes. Uh, I want to see Georgia actually showcase that depth of wide receiver. I mean, I don't think Kirby Smart wants to show it all in this matchup, but as just far as guys able to make plays, uh, you know, with, with the ball in there, I, I think this group, needs to kind of live up to that hype for, for Georgia to have the season that everyone expects. And we're talking about big passing numbers uh, under Mike Bobo. Well, then the, these guys got to get it done. It can't just be Brock Bowers. And, and if Vlad McConkey, you know, if he's not healthy uh, the entire season, then you're going to need Arian Smith out there. You know, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, this is a big season for him. You know, he's the senior out there. He needs to showcase what he, what he can do as well. And, is, is, is this the breakout season for Dylan Bell? Just so this depth that we've talked about, go out there and, and show it and kind of show defenses that and you better be ready because we're going to have, you know, three or four guys lined up who, who can get it done. So that's kind of what I'm looking for in this game. Ben, how about you? What specifically do you want to see out of this game? Well, it's probably the boring answer, but I mean, Carson Beck's first start, you know, I go back to that UAB game two years ago that Stetson got the start and it feels like Carson Beck very easily could have gotten that start at the time. And 
you remember what what Stetson Bennett did in that game. I personally think that Kirby Smart and Mike Bobo owe it to Carson Beck to let him have like five touchdown passes in the first half. So I say that to him. I say that probably on behalf of Georgia fans that are getting to see a night kickoff in Sanford or sort close to night kickoff in Sanford uh, for the first time in a while. And so I really am excited to watch him and see what he can do. And I guess that extends beyond just Carson Beck. I mean, I think that some of the guys that kept mentioned there too, but you mentioned guys like Arian Smith, who really hasn't gotten a full season to see what he can do. Guys like Dominic Lovett that we've talked about and I'm very high on, but what does he actually do in Georgia's offense? Obviously Brock Bowers goes without saying, obviously Lad McConkey goes without saying Dylan Bell, you know, there, Marcus Rose me. There's so much, talent at the wide receiver position that I think that it's just going to out of necessity, especially with what the running back room depth wise looks like right now, they're going to be sending the ball downfield. They're going to have a lot of wide receivers out there. They're going to be rotating them through. And I think this is going to be the first time. And again, I think Georgia has been trending this way offensively for a while. And it's taken a lot of people, a lot of time to catch up to the fact that Georgia has evolved pretty significantly offensively already. But I think this is going to be the year where everyone there, there's no questions asked about it, that Georgia is just a team that can, you know, utilize their wide receivers as well as anyone in college football. And I think that's going to happen this season, but we'll see on Saturday. To recap our score predictions, Ben has 55 to six, Kip has 48 to zero, and I have 52 to three. And there will be plenty of content out of that game as we are out there and getting this season underway. Fellas, any parting thoughts on that game or the start of college football or, or even that Utah-Florida game we were getting fired up uh, before the podcast? I'll spare folks the the Florida talk any more than we've probably already given it to them. I think we probably spent five extra minutes on the Florida pick than anywhere else. But I will call out some of the visitors that we know are coming here this weekend. Obviously, we're going to start seeing a lot more visitors on campus for these games. And really starting in not too long, Georgia coaches will be able to be going out on the road to be at games as well so we'll have some info there too but five-star defensive lineman elijah griffin in the 2025 class five-star edge rusher zayden walker in the 2025 class a four-star cornerback out of indianapolis mark zachary who i anytime that someone is getting on a plane to come on a visit for a georgia ut martin game it's probably a visit to watch because it's a school that he clearly wanted to get to early in the season um, a, a 2025 commit, Tay Harris. I feel like I'm missing somebody that I know of, but the, to all of this to say, there's going to be a lot more names that end up showing up on campus. Georgia has the luxury of having a 6 p.m. kick on Saturday, so I think it's going to make it a lot easier for them to get a lot of guys on campus. Kip, uh, any thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, you know, I, I love what Zayden Walker brings to the table. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how he projects at the next level because he's kind of got that, you know, he's he's kind of an edge right now. But, you know, is he, you know, is he 6'2", 220? How does he physically develop? Does he end up playing, you know, inside of the next level? But, man, he is an incredible player, um, very athletic. And I think he, he's just a guy that's just so explosive off the snap um, that that it's a guy that Georgia – there are no uh, must-get recruits when you're in Georgia because you can recruit anywhere. But as far as just that in-state guy – I mean, I know he's a guy that the Georgia coaching staff would love to have and love to land. So, uh, you know, they're they're battling Miami, and that's that's been a you know, team that's had some entertaining recruiting battles the the last couple of years. So, I, I just think that this is a big visit for any time you can get them on campus. Uh, it, it's good for you, and obviously, Isaac Griffin, you know, he's already a, you know a five star as well, and you, you want those Savannah kids to, to stay home. So. Uh, Th those are big time prospects to be in town for a, a UT Martin game. So uh, good for Georgia's recruiting staff to get those guys in Athens. We're going to get out of here on that. I appreciate Kip and Ben for popping on. Appreciate everyone who tuned in, everyone who has listened to this after the fact. want to make sure and tell everyone, go to dogs247.com. Right now we are running a kickoff special, 50% off a VIP membership. Be sure to go sign up before that deal goes away and be sure to go to Dogs247 on YouTube. Go subscribe. We've got all kinds of videos from press conferences, from interviews with the players, uh, and also this podcast. So we are out of here on that. Uh, we are uh, College football is finally here, guys. We are almost to kickoff. We are so excited, and I'm sure uh, that everyone watching this as well. So until next time, take care, everybody.
wonderful time of the year. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.